Well, good morning. I hope everybody is well and in good spirits. And it's always an honor and a privilege to come and speak to you. Now, oh, I've got some echo. Last week, uh, we kicked off our series, A Difference. And Kevin did a wonderful job in introducing it to us. And, uh, you know, he spoke from Isaiah 6. I was very impressed because I wasn't here last week. I was somewhere else. However, I watched the, the, the podcast, no, the video cast. And I was very impressed by the way he expounded the scriptures, how he talked about how God is holy and we are not, and used the story of Isaiah and how he felt guilty when he actually saw this holy God. And then when the cold touched his lips and he experienced what it is to be forgiven, he was able to rise up to have a desire to be holy. So it was, it was great. And if you weren't here, I can't say where were you because I wasn't here either, but you can catch it up on the podcast. I really recommend that. Well, today we're going to consider this, this that a call to holiness is a call to intimacy with a living and holy God. It's a call to intimacy. Let's just look at Psalm 100, verse 3, because I want to, as it were, build a foundation for this message this morning. Know that the Lord is God. That's a good place I could preach in there. That he's the Lord, that he rules in the affairs of men. It is he who made us, And we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, this is foundational because, you see, we live in a society that doesn't believe that. And if we go back in time, when Adam and Eve chose to listen to Satan in the garden, instead of staying in the place of being creatures. You see, Satan said to them, you will be like God. The same thing that Satan wanted to be. And in that moment of truth, they, well, Eve made a decision, and that decision was not to stay as a creature, but to stay as, become a creator. Hmm. From that moment, the human race has been seeking to make their own rules and decide what is right and wrong. You see, this is the problem. You see, the minute you decide that you're the creator, then you make the rules. You end up with confusion. And I have to tread carefully here, but the reality is that the minute particularly those of us in the West who have rejected Judo-Christianity and have chosen secularism and humanism and relativism and have decided that they only believe things if they have empirical evidence to believe so, you end up with a situation where they make their own rules. As followers of Jesus... We concede that God has made us. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have conceded that God has made you. And that we are the sheep of his pasture. And I love this word pasture because what it means is that God has put boundaries for us to live within because he created us. 
He set out the terms by which we as human beings can live in fellowship with him and with each other. Because in the garden, you see, Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God and with each other. And we even read that God walked in the cool of the day with them. There was total transparency between them and God and between each Adam and Eve. But of course, the minute they chose not to be created beings, but rather be the creator, things changed. The Lord is God, which means, basically, friends, he knows best. And this is counterculture, you see, because we live in a culture that says you need to be independent. You need to stand on your own two feet. When you become 16, we'll kick you out, and then you'll make your own life. Yes? You know, uh, you know <laughs> particularly in some Afro-Caribbean cultures, you know, my dad left Jamaica when he was, what, I don't know, 18, and he came to London. And the first thing he noticed, it was cold. <laughs> right? But he had to make his own way. And I've heard some, you know, second-generation parents talk to their kids and say, well, life was hard. And if it was hard for me, it had to be hard for you. So you're not going to stay in this house and eat my food. I'm going to my fridge. You need to go out. Now, I, I hear that. You see, the reality is that, yes, we want our kids to be interdependent. Yes, not totally dependent, independent. But God wants us, actually, as the creator, to be dependent on him. We don't like that. Your kids, those of you who have them. I always remember when Rachel was a little girl and would push the push chair along, she would always say, no, Dad, I can do it, I can do it. Isn't it interesting that intrinsic within us is this desire to show others we can do it without help? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I can do it. You know, gentleman talks about his little granddaughter that he's going to teach her to play golf and she chooses a pink golf club and pink clubs and all the rest of it. And of course, you know, to play golf, you, know, you need to know how to stand and all this stuff. And she says, oh, she says, no, granddad, I can't do it. Oh. So you are going for her. <laughs> she doesn't want to learn how to do it. It's that independence thing. But you see, the fact is the Lord is God. And he knows best how we should live to our full potential. And thus bring glory to his name. Through lies that demonstrate his attributes to the world. And what we mean is his character to the world. The church, the community of God's people, as the redemptive act of Jesus on the cross becomes a reality in our lives and he begins to set us free from all of that stuff that stops us being what we should be and we begin to demonstrate his love and his grace and his mercy and his goodness, his attributes in the world, so that brings glory to the Father. That's how it works. Okay, thank you. So then... And you need to bear with me this morning because we're doing it's a mini series, and Richard gave me this bit. And I said, Well, you when I start to talk, you'll understand why. I'm thinking, oh Lord Jesus, why did you give me this? But here we go. But here we go. So the call to holiness. Come with me to 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, 
Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now let's give you some background. Paul, who wrote 12 of the books in the New Testament, two-thirds of the books there, he's writing to the church at Corinth. Now Corinth is numbers about three-quarters of a million people. It's a center for trade and commerce. It's a metropolis. And it's also one of the most licentious cities, Greek cities. Someone said, uh, you, you went there to take a day off from morality. <laughs> they had over a thousand temple prostitutes because back then, the way they did worship, particularly the Greek gods, they got into orgies and the temple prostitutes, men and female, were there for you to use. Indeed, one of the Greek words for fornicate was derived from the name Corinth. So that's the background to the text. That Paul is saying to these people, look, your former lifestyle was that you gave yourself over to all kinds of sexual behavior, but now that you've become a follower of Jesus, now that Jesus has died for you on that cross, now that that work that he accomplished at Cadbury has been done for you, what we call positional holiness, now it's time for you to begin to walk this out. You, if, you, if you read, you see, <laughs> I don't know how many of you read your Bible. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's a good thing to do. But when you read some of Paul's letters, he says some, some straight stuff that would kind of upset people. You see, you see, these people were living not unlike our own generation, without rules. We, I will develop it a little later. They were licentious. They were into everything. And he's saying, you, you, now that you're a follower of Jesus, you can't bring that stuff in here. So now, now that because of what Jesus has done for you, because of the great promises, and I mustn't preach Richard's text for next week, <laughs> you need to, we need to cleanse ourselves. We need to purify ourselves. We need to perfect holiness. So there's not only just positional holiness, now there's practical holiness. You've got to live it out. Look, if you read Paul's letters, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, 1 Corinthians, you'll see that there's always, he starts with our position, and then he starts, looks, works on our practice. He's saying, look, if you love this Jesus, as Jesus has died for you, if you know what it is to be sealed with his spirit, if you know what it is to be cleansed and washed, it needs to be worked out in the way that you live. I think I made the point. I will move on. So then, perfecting means that we are seeking to work with the word of God and the Holy Spirit to undo every work of darkness in our lives so that we experience his light, his life, and his love in our lives. This is the, the journey of holiness. Okay. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all with unveiled face contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image 
with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. There's a process of transformation going on as we are being changed to be like him, as we begin to perfect holiness, as we begin to put off that stuff that we once walked in. So there, the call to be different. Now, you know, it's interesting because we read about what we read about in the New Testament, because in the old is the new revealed, and in the, re- old, the new is the, re- old, the old revealed. What was prevalent in the new was also in the old. God's plan was also always to have a people who were set apart for himself. Come with me to Deuteronomy 7, 1 to 6. So you see, this is not just in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament. Read now. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering, and let me just say, parenthesis, the children of Israel, they're in Egypt for 430 years. God sends a delivering in the picture of Mo, in the person of Moses, who's the type of Christ, and they are delivered. The Lord visits 10 plagues on the Egyptians, and basically he puts every one of their gods under the neck. All right? If you read Exodus, it, you're going to understand that what God is doing is he's setting things up so he can minister his judgment on those Egyptians. Anyway, they come out with a mighty hand and, as you know, they go 40 years in the desert simply because of disobedience. Whole generation gets wiped out. But ultimately now, they come to the borders of Kadesh. This is Deuteronomy. This is Moses' swan song. He gives three sermons to them. Talks about what happened before, then what will happen to them. So here we come in Deuteronomy 7, 1 to 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Gushites, Amorites, Canaanites, Pizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Seven nations longer and stronger, larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Now, usually I have problems here because, you see, people that read the Old, the new te- old Testament say, well, doesn't that seem a little harsh, you know? Uh, and it's a genocide. I mean, this is a God of love, blah, blah, blah. Look, come on Bible experience and I will tell you. But the thing is this. That's, you know, one of the courses we're going to run. But the thing is this, you see, you don't understand how wicked these nations were. We, with our human minds, are not seeing what God was seeing. These nations were corrupt. These people, they were, they, they, the, the sexual perversion that went on there even made God, as it were, just want to step away. Do not give your daughter, it says, well, make no treaty with them, show them no mercy, do not intermarry with them, do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods and the Lord's anger will burn against you and I will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asherah poles and burn their idols in the fire. Thank you. For you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, to be his treasured possession. So there you see it. And if you read on in the chapter, God says, I didn't choose you because you were the biggest and the best and the brightest. You were the smallest and the least and the lowest. 
Yeah, I'm good this morning. <laughs> yeah, that was right, wasn't it? Yeah? And just know this, that God chose us not because we were the big, biggest and the best. He chose us so that he could demonstrate his glory, his attributes through you. So he's saying this, you need to be different because I'm different. God called Israel to be different and not to compromise with the perverted sexual practices of these nations and their fertility idol worship of the Baal and Asherah, which were fertility gods. And basically, once they started to do that kind of stuff, they got their clothes off and it was the gods, as Lynn Button said, of sexual orgy. Behind these fertility gods were powerful demonic spirits whose primary goal is to totally destroy the image of God in human beings. Today, these spirits are alive and well in our society. People don't go to Asherah poles, which are basically phallic symbols. They don't go through the grove, which curves in such a way to, 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 to show, as it were, female gentilia. It's not, we don't do it like that. Live and well through pornography, the internet. C according to Simon Ponsonby, if you read his book, Difference there, apparently it's a $97 billion industry. Pervades and it provides false intimacy and destroys the lives of many. Now, Simon, to use an academic word, posits that if it was a problem for Israel, it's a problem for those of us in the church. Ooh, it's gone silent now. You see, if it was a problem for the children of Israel, it, it's a problem in the church now. Thank you. So, the journey then to real intimacy. You see, what pornography presents to us is a false intimacy. It dehumanizes human beings. It's Satan's way of marring the image of God in us. But we don't have Asherah poles. Now through technology, you can get, as it were, pictures, you can get downloads 24 hours. However, what it creates is worship, but it's of the wrong thing. I could develop this, but I'm not going to because you need to read the book. But all I can say is this, that God's intention is for us as his sons and daughters to live in the beauty and the authority and the confidence and the peace and the prosperity of all that he has for us in Christ Jesus. Satan's goal is to destroy and annihilate any picture of, of the image of God in us. See, that's his plan. That's the enemy's plan. But God has a different plan. According to Lisa Guinness, she says this, our spirituality and our sexuality are inextricably linked. So what must we do if we find that like the children of Israel were seeking comfort in the wrong places? Okay, and by the way, let me just say here, we may be talking about sexuality, but whatever, whatever comfort you use, it could be alcohol, it could be food, it could be sulking, whatever it is. So you're all included this morning. 
We need to recognise them for what they are, these wrong places. You know what they are? They're idols. They're idols. Lisa Guinness states that an idol is something or someone we use to replace God in our lives, to give us meaning, to ease our pain, to give us value in our eyes, to absorb our attention and devote us from what? Intimacy with God. To complete us, to hide our shame. That's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Anywhere you and I go, in those moments when we don't feel comforted, we don't feel recognized, we don't feel loved, and whenever we go there and we take that illegitimate comfort, that is an idol. Often, she goes on to say, the sins in our lives are in response to the sins against us. Our defenses, our sulking, our self-pity, our lies, our hatred, our bitterness or need to please, our license or need to control. What he's saying is that basically you're disappointed with God. You're disappointed with God. God has let you down. So when you want comfort, you don't go to him because he doesn't help you, so you find it somewhere else. Whatever the sin, here's the point, whatever the sin, God wants to get the root causes and get those healed. You see, let me tell you, this is what I've been learning. You see, when I, when I sin, when I fail, I used to think now, <laughs> oh, what am I to do? You know, let's get real now. It's a Friday night, and your wife has gone out, those of you who are married, and been a hard week at work, you have a beer, you sit down to watch a film, or you flick through the channels, and all of a sudden you find yourself on a channel where you shouldn't be. Now, here is a moment of truth. You need some comfort. You need some love. So you decide to watch what is pornography. In the midst of that, you get into it and you act out. That's just a soft way of saying that you masturbate, but I don't really want to say that all morning, so I'd rather say act out. So we've put that there, right? Okay, I think you're more comfortable with that, aren't you? So am I. So you act out. Yes, you have the momentary pleasure because God intended it for pleasure, but the problem is you didn't share it with anybody else. It was false. Now, you know you've got to go to church tomorrow. All of a sudden, you don't feel to go to church. Or Friday, and you know, it's Saturday, beg your pardon. So it's now Sunday, you know you should go to church. You haven't confessed it to anybody, you only confessed it to God. But you feel shame. Now, this is what the Lord taught me. He said, look, I'm not concerned about the sin. I want to know why you did it. I actually want to help you to journey so you can find out the root of that. Most of us are concerned about is... Jesus said, look, my son died on Calvary. Now bring the thing here. Confess the sin. All right? But Jesus says, but it also says, I want to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, what's that all about? That's us journeying together to find out why you did it. That's getting to the root. That takes work. 
You know why it takes work? Because you have to be vulnerable. You have to be transparent. You have to be open. And what I've learned now is that the faster I run to God and the faster I get on that telephone and I ring up my Derek, my mentor, the faster I know his grace and his mercy. What do we normally do? What, we, what happens, we do something, it may be, that's pornography, but it could be alcohol, it could be something else. What do we do generally when we, this happens? We disappear. We disappear. Oh, where are you, Dennis? Oh, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> where are you? Oh, well, I, I was busy. And we run from God and we run from each other. But what I've been learning is don't, when it happens, run to God. Run to the community of God's people. We need to have safe people so that we get on the phone or you can go to them. And sometimes I've got on the phone and I've, and I've, what I've well, I'm going ahead of myself, it doesn't matter. But the point is this, that we have someone that we confess it to that will pray with us, admonish us, challenge us, and help us to hear God to find out what the root is. Not the fruit. So, what is the way forward? Well, it's confession and repentance. Now, we're going to have a ministry time, and it's going to start a little early. But I'm going. But what I've been learning is this: the power of confession. I would hope that we here have been building a community where people feel safe so that if you confess your sin one to another, people don't drop down on the ground when you say you've been acting out or something like that. You know? Oh my goodness me, how could you say such a thing? Blah, blah, blah. Look, friends, this is church, and if it was there in the first century, it's here in the 21st century, big time. So we need to be a community where we need to keep short accounts with each other. So confession is powerful. So here's some points on confession. Confession leads to repentance when we allow God to find us in our place of powerlessness where we cannot save ourselves. Wow, you got all of them. Okay. Confession activates the power of the cross. Let me just say about the first one. You see, you can't save yourself. You can't. So one of the wonderful things, when you confess and you come to God and say, oh God... I need help. God said, oh, I've been waiting. You know, you've, you, yes, you've put the, you know, you've got the internet and you've got the eye that will see what you're on there. You've got accountability parties, you've got all of that stuff. But ultimately, God says, look, you need to come to me and confess it and say it. Secondly, the confession activates the power of the cross. 2 Corinthians, I took Colossians 2, 13. That the certificate of debt consisting of degrees against you and me, which were hostile to us, Jesus has nailed to the cross and he's removed it by his blood. The cross is the key. And that's where you bring your stuff. Confession brings us to a new vision of the kingdom. And in the kingdom, we tell it the way it is. So most of us, you know, we usually fudge confession. <laughs> Ali Patel, I hope I won't embarrass you here, but she, I've worked with Ali and 
sometimes you know, you, you're trying to help people to confess. And they just fudge it. So Ali like says, why, can't, why don't you just say that you're sorry that you did what you did? Because usually you'll find when people make the confession, they go all over the place. Just tell it the way it is. Lord, I shouldn't have looked at that and I acted out and I'm wrong. You know, one of the best examples of it is in Luke chapter 15, prodigal son. He kind of said, Lord, he said, I have sinned, Father, against heaven and earth. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. That's verse 19 and verse 21. And then he goes back to his father and he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and earth. I am no longer worthy to be your son. That's confession. He says it the way it is. Don't fudge it. The cleaner it is, Linda taught me that too, the cleaner it is, the, the more powerful the forgiveness. Confession brings us back into the light and therefore back into fellowship. 1 John 7, 9, start at verse 5. God is light, in him there is no darkness. If we say we have no sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yeah, if you say, oh, we have no sin, you know, I am perfect, you are a liar. The truth is not in you. However, if we confess our sins, well, I'll go a little bit further. God is light in him, there's no darkness. But if we confess our sins and we walk in the light as he's in the light, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin and we have what? Fellowship with one another. And therefore, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those of you who are Anglicans know those lines well. Yes. Confession stops us being hypocrites. You see, there's nothing worse than if you're doing stuff and you're not confessing it to anybody, but you come to church. Yeah. <laughs> right? See, I've been to them churches. <laughs> and I was part of that kind of stuff. You know, everybody looks bright and shiny, but no one's confessing any sin. Now, I'm not saying every day you've got to come to church and confess your sins, but what I'm saying is that when you make confession, it means that whatever, look, this is what I find. When I go to Dirk and I confess my sin to God and I confess my sin to him, it's like, whew, there's, no, there's the good Dennis and the bad Dennis. Ah, I feel relief. Confession acknowledges God's power over our sins. Psalm 103, you know, as far as the east is from the west. Has the Lord removed his transgressions, our transgressions from us? It's God's power to cleanse us. We can't cleanse ourselves. Confession opens the way for healing. James 1.5 says that. What? Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It keeps us in the place of being the creature, not the creator. It takes the pressure off you of being the good Dennis. But there's also the bad Dennis. And some of us are so busy trying to be good that when we're bad, we don't know what to do. And look, friends, let me tell you something. That will definitely happen to you. One, you will die because this is a given. It is appointed once for a man to die, then comes judgment. Secondly, you will pay taxes. It is a given. And it's also true that at some point you will sin. 
But we have an advocate with the Father. So, you know, stop beating yourself up when you're not perfect. Some of you, the perfectionists amongst you, the driven amongst you, 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 you drive yourself, and when things don't go right, or you fail, you beat yourself up. Look, look, you're going to fail. But it's okay. Father has made provision for us. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And if we have brothers and sisters that we confess to, we're walking now in the light. Okay. Oh, mercy. Look at your time. All right. It keeps us participating in God's grace and mercy, and this fuels our devotion and love in the light in God. You know what I found in my own life? Because I've struggled with these things. They're not talking up, standing up here like, oh, me, I've never struggled with these things. Oh, boy, I know. Oh, mercy, I know. <laughs> Derek knows too, but he won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but all I know is that when I've got on that phone and, you know, I've acted out and the reality is that I've asked God, what is it, Lord, that's the root? And I've listened to God, and he's t- told me, it's your past, son. It's to do with re- abandonment. And I think, what's that all about? So I get on the telephone, and I'm ringing Derek, and I'm t- I talk through it with him. And I said, Derek, have you got anything? And Derek says to me, abandonment. Oh, I said, mercy. I said, look, we need to get together. So I, I go over to his place, and we go upstairs, and presence of, you know, I make confession and God shows us the, the root of this. That this goes way back into, it's almost primal. That, 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 that situation that happened with my mom and the reality that she had to leave me, leave me here in St. Albans and that abandonment has created this thing. So the root is far different from the fruit. And then the presence of God comes in there, I'm just, and I experience this forgiveness, this cleansing, but he goes down, he heals the root, we're crying, I'm worshipping God, I'm thinking, I'm having an experience here of the kindness and the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God and the healing deep in my heart. And because of that, I'm now able to walk in a way that's pleasing to God because the desire to find comfort has been dealt with in the name of Jesus. You see, that's the process, friends. It keeps us participating in God's mercy and this fuels our devotion and love and delight. This is holiness. It makes we all like him. We realize, oh, Father, thank you. We grow a son or a daughter, not a slave who lives to appease his master. And as we said, confession opens the way for healing. It relieves me of trying to be perfect in my own strength of having false expectations of others, and it builds the community of faith. It heals our distorted thinking and gives us an ongoing reality check. And as we share what we're doing with safe people, we know a d- confession gives us a deep release from shame. A deep release from shame. And friends, this is the process of holiness. You know, we do the restore course, and the restore course isn't just if you've got, you know, sexual problems. and that. It's talking about the deep issues in our hearts that stop us from being all that God calls us to be and to do. And it gives you the tools so when you get a hit, and it may not be a sexual thing, it may be that someone has said something against you or offended you, your heart is wounded, you are angry, and the, it gives you the tools to deal with it. So you know how to come before God, make confession of your sin, wait for him to speak to you, 
So he gives you the root. You bring it to him and you work with someone so that together you begin this journey of holiness and you begin to get into that place of intimacy with him. Some of the sweetest times I've known is in the times of my brokenness and with my sinfulness. When I've come to God in my weakness and I've made confession before him and I've got help from there and, we've, and God's presence has come, even when we're on the telephone. So I'll give you the permission because that's what I've been doing for you to make confession of the stuff that you've got in the dark. Okay. Oh, bless the Lord. It is very difficult, you know, when you have an eternal God and you live in eternity, but alas, you are still in the time zone. <laughs> I have so much more that I could share with you, but the time has gone. And you have children, those of you who need to be collected. So should we stand? And this is what we're going to do. Over here, where's the band? Come up, because I need you. What we're going to do, thanks, yes, bless your heart. What we're going to do, we're going to get real with God. They're going to start this process. Now, for some of you here, you know you've got stuff. And I'm not going to go, do, 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 do. No, the Holy Spirit's doing that. I don't need to do that. I try to keep it not too heavy. But you know what? For some of you, you have been, you've got stuff going on under the surface. And it's time to bring it into the light. The enemy wants to have a landing strip in your life so he can operate undercover, subterfuge, have his fifth column in you. But this is the day when you bring it into the light and you start the process of God getting to the root of what it is that stops you being all that God has called you to be and to do. So, we have a cross there. And what we're going to do at ministry time... When you come up you know, for ministry, ministry team, make haste now to the corner because we need you, yeah? And those of you, if you're not on ministry team this week but you know that you can do ministry or you've been authorized, I want you over there too. You say, by the way, you see, ministry team, this isn't just, oh, I'm on, okay, I'll have coffee. Look, you are working together with God to undo the works of darkness in God's life. This is a serious business. So please, if you're on ministry team, I want to hear, oh, well, you know, I want to have a cup of coffee. You can have a cup of coffee, you can have a donut, but we're doing some serious business this morning. So if you're here, don't just be here to worship and praise, also be here to serve. You remember Jesus, he didn't come just to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. There must come a time in our discipleship as the people of God where we move from being consumers to being servers. And I spent 18 years of my life as a volunteer. It's only now that I get paid for this, but I'll still do it for free, but don't tell the, 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 the directors. That's <laughs> right. Bless God. And I'm supported by, where is she, Carol? She's out there somewhere. Carol, Carl Cahill is my pastor assistant, and I bless God for her. Ah, good, we have a good amount of people here. That's good. So what I want you to do now... We're just going to wait in God's presence here. And by the way, if you have children and that, be released so that you can go and get them because I don't want to hold you up. We're going to wait in God's presence because this is how we do it. And I want you to recall 
an experience of his grace and enjoying recognizing and feeling his grace. I want you to just recall a good moment with God. And then I'm going to ask God to show you the sin and own them specifically. And by the way, you don't have to dig it up. You'll know straight away. Give them over to God. And while you do this, this is a new step for some of you, ask God to show you the patterns. Especially if you've confessed this time and time and time again. God wants to break you free. So ask him to show you some patterns in this so you can start the journey. Confess them to God. And what makes it more powerful is if you can confess it to someone else. So the ministry team there, you can make confession to them. They're not going to tell anybody. And what we're going to get you to do is write it down, pin it to the cross, and we'll burn the stuff. We're not going to keep look at it and see what you've been up to. That's not between us. That's between you and God. And then we want you, when you're there, to just wait and receive his forgiveness. Receive his cleansing. Receive his mercy. Let him affirm you in his love. Let his spirit come down upon you and minister into those places of vulnerability and fear and anxiety and hurt. And then receive his grace. Know that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That he's our dad and he's a good, good father and he wants to welcome you home and he wants to give you that warm embrace as we start that journey together towards holiness. Express your gratitude. Bless him that he's a good, good father. And all his ways are perfect. And ideally, if you do it with someone, it pierces shame in the name of Jesus. So, Father, we are your people. We thank you, Lord, that you call us to holiness. You call us to intimacy. And we thank you for that cross, on, that cross where Jesus died for us. We thank you that every decree against us that was hostile to us, Jesus took it out of the way. And Lord, as we write things down on paper and as we nail them to that cross symbolically, may it be the start of a process in us where we begin to walk in the beauty of holiness.